Welcome to Egg Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, editor for Fruit and Vegetable Magazine, welcoming you to our first of the Top 4 Under 40 podcast series. And today I'm speaking with Dick Franks of Blueberry Hill Estates. So if you could give us a bit of a rundown, how did you get involved with the Canadian fruit and vegetable industry? Uh, yeah, so my parents bought the, the farm back in 2004. And uh, just like anything your parents buy, you uh, end up getting roped into soon after. So that's what <laughs> happened with me. And uh, I've been in the industry uh, ever since then. I've added to our farm operation, actually a little bit of uh, vineyard. So we have about six acres of grapes here too, because we went into the direction of establishing a winery on site. So that's what I went to school for. So I went to school for enology and viticulture. So I got that wine and grape background. So I guess you could say I'm fully immersed into the industry with more than one crop with what we're growing here. I would say so. Now the farm was mainly blueberries before you added the winery aspect, yeah, correct? So- yeah, so the patch is uh, from 1973. As far as we know, it's the oldest commercial high bush operation in Ontario um, with a lot of cuttings and whatever from our crop actually establishing a lot of the other older high bush operations in Ontario as well, too. It's uh, 15, I think it's 15 acres. I say 15 to 16, depending on the day. <laughs> it's a 15 acre plot and we have six acres of grapes and then we do a little bit of cash crop and then we got a sugar bush that we tap biannually or whatever. Awesome. And did you work at any vineyards or wineries before, or did you kind of just go into it with the knowledge you gained from school? After, actually, during my uh, course, it was a co-op portion as well, too, that I worked at Henry Pelham down in Niagara for a vintage. That's what we basically call like a work period or whatever at a, the winery is called Vintages, basically. I mean, it makes sense, too, because the bottle always has a year on it. So it's usually how you tie it all together. And so I did a vintage there. And then I did uh, a period in Oregon, Germany, New Zealand, Chile, and then back home here now. Wow. So you've been all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, beauty of the industry. You know, you always need extra hands to bring the grapes in. and processing the fruit and uh, start doing the ferments and pretty much skilled labor. You got to have a little bit of know-how sometimes dealing with uh, this type of stuff. So uh, it's pretty easy to try to find work elsewhere in the world. They're looking for people like that. Nice. And I know Blueberry Hill was one of the, one of the earlier vineyards to open up in Norfolk County region. Yeah, I, I would say that. We worked pretty closely with uh, Norfolk Estate Winery. They were actually the first ones to open in Norfolk back in like 1988 or so. They were just out of Forestville here. And that's sort of the reason why we went in that direction of opening a winery because it was a fruit winery. And we got pretty close to know the owner winemaker there. And he sort of took me under his wing as a protege. And so he sort of convinced us to get in the industry, I guess you could say. <laughs> so 
that's why I went that direction for school and what the farm went in that direction as well too. And I think after Norfolk State Winery, Villanova was second and then probably Golden Leaf and then toss up between like Bonnie Heath and Bernie Kiln or whatever and then ourselves. Yeah, it's become quite the little hub. Yeah, definitely say that. So what's one major challenge you faced in the industry? Probably going to sound like a broken record, but usually it's labor. <laughs> it is usually one that you definitely bring up a lot. Just because for us, we don't bring in labor from elsewhere. We don't bring in uh, temporary foreign workers. However, having said that, there's quite a large population of Druid Mexican Mennonites in Norfolk, uh, West Norfolk, that we're able to tap into. But they are migratory too. So like some of them live here and some of them live back in Mexico in the the off season or growing. So we're luckily able to tap into that uh, labor force. And some of them have been coming to this farm here for generations, I would say, since like, since 73, some of them said they saw the plants grow up from where they are now. So that's one of them. Uh, the other one is the domestic market is pretty hard sometimes. Growing blueberries in Canada is sort of like an oxymoron because everyone's growing them, it seems like, from coast to coast. So uh, we're quite plentiful in Canada here. So we have to compete a lot with uh, British Columbia when we come to market in late July and August when um, there's uh, oversaturation of fruit on the market. But luckily, it's, you know, just building rapport with your uh, grocers and customers and stuff like that to keep the focus on local produce and why it's better than importing even from the same country from a further coast, even if the price is cheaper for some reason. Yeah, two challenges that are, I think, felt by a lot of growers. Bouncing off of that, what's an accomplishment or an innovation you're particularly proud of? Well, I guess, you know, taking that second challenge that we've had in our industry and turn that into a strength of our brand to create the winery component and uh, sort of shift to turn our produce into something that we can use year-round to sell and uh, provide to other customers that are looking for something that's not just fruit. So luckily, some of the rules and regulations in Ontario for wine producing is that fruit has to come from Ontario if you're going to sell through Ontario's store. So we work quite closely with some other wineries, building that report because we're a winery and whatnot, reaching out to those wineries. So almost every, actually, I could say every berry that is marketable is sold through this farm. So some, some other farmers, if it doesn't go to market, such as like if the fruit's a little squished, not the right color or whatever, they don't put it to market. We have a home for everything we pick here. So uh, we've been able to use that. And some years when the market is saturated beyond feasibility or whatever for selling and those channels, we've shifted from what sometimes has been 80% towards wholesale for that type of market down to like 40% or so and just shift towards just wine producing and juice production or whatever for other clients. So uh, that's something we've been pretty happy with. We've also looked at other innovations here or novel technologies. We have controlled atmosphere storage. 
I think we're one of the few that use that for blueberries here. We haven't done that in a few years just because our juice market and wine production is well established now. So we haven't needed to do that for shifting our fruit for extended post-harvest light. But yeah, we try to do a lot of things here on the farm. Like we trellis the blueberries, try to keep them upright when our rows were tight. They're old plantings, mature bushes. So uh, it was hard to work in the rows to get to the fruit. So we've created trellising to allow the plants to save upright for better spray penetration and worker walkthrough or whatever, because they would just avoid rows sometimes. We've done quite a bit here on the farm and, you know, you give a farmer a problem and he'll end up finding a solution eventually, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like it's a big portion of the job. Yeah, exactly. How do you think the industry will change in the next five years? And going off that, what's one change you hope happens? I don't know. We've been uh, doing this for uh, 17 years or so. It'll be interesting to see what happens in BC because like 10% of their crop was lost by the flooding or whatever, if they're going to plant blueberries again, because I think in that province, they're probably feeling like, do we really want to grow a crop that we're going to not make much money on or whatever? And a lot of other people are growing, especially since cash drops have really come up in price in the last year. The people are going to just like, well, I just rather grow cash drop if I'm on a floodplain rather than uh, go back to planting something perennial like that. So it's going to be interesting to see if we're going to keep seeing this oversaturation of produce on the market. And if there is, again, what we'll see for Ontario in particular, I think we've actually seen quite a bit of the bigger farms either retire and turn over towards other crops or whatever that are more profitable because they found a lot of difficulty selling their crops. So we're going to see more acreage probably not into blueberries, I would say provincially and nationally unfortunately i think and we'll see hopefully a push towards more international sales but who knows because south america is one of the markets we also really worry about for what they're able to bring in fruit for in the off season and now they're starting to do it in season too so that's a big challenge to do with these bigger conglomerates that are worldwide to really fight towards keeping your local market going for you. And then uh, one, one change I hope happens, I guess labor is always going to be like, we're going to find people going more automated. I think in the next five years, as much as possible, like we're doing on the farm too with a harvester and we're going to continue looking at using that harvester more and also planting varietals that are more machine harvest worthy, I guess you could say, that are easier for us to be able to get the crop picked off quicker and more efficiently and all that stuff. Because it's just very big difficulty with labor anymore. And also you, you're trying to get your cost of goods sale sold as low as possible too, because you know that you're going to have those outside markets such as BC or wherever uh, competing with you. And if you're paying eight dollars to fifteen dollars a flat for something being picked and you're only making twenty dollars or twenty five not a lot of margin in that i suppose the value added nature of the winery helps a little bit with that uh, yeah it does so when we first started it was like the winery component was maybe like five to ten percent of our annual revenue but now it's grown to like sixty percent or okay. so so the ability of having a value add component to your business like that it helps funnel revenue back into other capital projects towards the blueberry crop we're pretty close to where we want the winery 
own it to be at for retail and event side of things to generate enough revenue to put the capital money that's required to plant more acreage in the blueberries and go organic. That's another thing we're looking at doing too is go fully organic on the farm. And then eventually that component is going to pay into the next phase. Basically, I guess you can say the winery. So the one end of the spectrum helps the other, then that spectrum gets higher up. And then it's like, okay, let's take that revenue to build capital we need for this now go through those growing pains because there's always like major growing pains for every stage you take. I suppose that that's the helpful part of having the two sides of the business that they can kind of support the other while the other one's growing. Yes, exactly. And it helps you too. Like when one is not doing so well, when you're the other one's able to help float the boat. But we've also experienced that too, is that those valleys that we used to have aren't as low anymore with having a wider component in the, the spectrum. What advice would you give to someone considering a career in Canadian fruit and veg? Definitely do a lot of research. Understand whatever crops you're looking to grow, the industry trends, try to figure out how to do it better than everyone else and target that really well. Because it is a very hard industry. Like you're definitely gonna have some bad years. But if you know how to control as much as possible from beginning to end, that's going to really help or at least trust someone else, some of those aspects or whatever to help that and try to do as better. Try to create a premium product for as cheap as possible, basically. (laughs) Not just research too, like go to school, like having a business background is sometimes a good thing to have going into farming now. So if you, learn a little bit of economics or like administration work or stuff like that because you know a farmer he wears many hats but that ceo one administration and understanding finance and all that is a really big one to have anymore what's one thing you wish people outside the industry knew about what you do so one thing i wish people outside the industry knew about what i do it's it's not always glamour and great photo shots and like drinking wine, this and that. Like there's a lot of, a lot of hard work. There's more than one person that runs the team or makes, makes it work behind me. You know, I have a strong wife that's able to be part of the business and helps out with that. What's all, all together. We have a strong team there at the winery running the retail and hospitality side. And someone else is also charged in the farming aspect of it too with my dad. So one person is not going to make it work. He can give leadership and direction as best as possible. Like he can't do everything on that farm, but even that, if you have a hard day and everything like that, you'd be able to enjoy what you created or whatever, like a bottle of wine or some type of meal or whatever from blueberries or just crunching back some blueberries. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not all glamour being a farmer. That's for sure. Even in the off seasons, like uh, adding a winery component, really removes that so uh there's there's no off season we're we're busy right now getting things ready and bottle people call in wondering when their favorite batches of wine they're gonna be ready <laughs> so you know there's a lot of pressure even now and then now things are starting to turn green and uh getting ready for the growing season and then there's a whole other thing you have to take care of so it never stops does it never stop it's nice that people appreciate your product so much that they're calling and asking, but yeah, it is yeah, a bit of unneeded pressure, maybe. <laughs> Definitely. 
Uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Nick. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to Egg Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Egg Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes. Thank you.